From Refinery29, this is Strong Opinions Loosely Held. I'm Elisa Kreisinger, and welcome to our anniversary episode. It's officially been one year since our first season aired, and to celebrate, we're airing the conversation we had this year at the South by Southwest Festival on the Activist Industrial Complex. If you're not familiar with South by, it's a big tech, media, and entertainment conference that's thrown every year in Austin, Texas. The conversation we had on this panel is a nod to kind of how we launched this podcast in the first place, talking about how popular culture and politics intersect in interesting, subversive, and really substantial ways. The panel was moderated by me and included Bridget Todd, a kick-ass digital strategist formerly at Medium, NPR's pop culture happy hour panelist Glenn Wilden, and BuzzFeed's Anne Helen Peterson, who you might remember from season one. But before we get to that part of the episode, I want to just give you a few updates. Over the last year, Strong Opinions Loosely Held has grown a lot. We won a Digiday Award for Best Podcast, thanks to your tweets and all of your support. We're also a 2017 Webby Award honoree. The Webbies are like the Academy Awards of the internet. We also found a sponsor for season two, which means there will be a season two. We will be back for a full 10-episode season starting July 10th. For those of you who are asking for video content, we now have a Strong Opinions Loosely Held video channel. So if you go to facebook.com slash held, you'll find tons of video content made by and for smart, opinionated women. And come July 10th, you'll be able to find short, shareable video versions of season one and two on that channel. You can find everything at facebook.com slash held. Okay. That's it for the updates. Here's what you actually came here for. Right now, you can't be an apolitical celebrity. But that's because politics is, for lack of a better word, cool. Like The zeitgeist is to be politically active or politically engaged in some capacity, no matter what side of the spectrum, political spectrum you're on. But like in the 1990s, like it was not cool to be politically engaged. Yeah. Right? Like it was totally like, and so celebrities really took a step back. You know, people like Muhammad Ali, people like, you know, um, Nina Simone, these amazing black artists who stood up against, you know, um, the Vietnam War, they stood up against segregation. That was, I don't feel like that was a cool thing to do. I think they felt like they had to do that yeah. because of who they were and who their audience, like, right. it was more about a personal choice, like you said. I don't think they were doing it to, like, you know, look woke or look cool <laughs> yeah. or, like, brand themselves. Yeah, I think yeah. that, like, then it was really more about, um, making a hard choice. And a lot of those choices did have like very negative repercussions. And so I think you're exactly right that um, you know, gender complicates it, um, race complicates it, age complicates yeah. it. And yeah, even to this day, people think about Jane Fonda as this like awful liberal shrill. Mm -hmm. And they don't think of her as this like, you know, fierce defender of what she believed in. Right. Yeah, I mean, and an activist is speaking in public about political views, which women are not supposed to have, right? <laughs> and so someone like Jane Fonda, especially who up to that point had really been configured first as like the daughter of Henry Fonda, who was like America manifest, and then as the sex object to suddenly like go and have opinions. That was part of the backlash. And other parts of it had to do with various, like the specific things that she did in Vietnam and then also like collaborating or helping the um, Black Panthers back in the United States and like even posing for a mugshot with her hand up in defiance, like all of that is unruly. Right. And that will cling to her 
it has clung to her and will continue to cling for her for the, her entire career. Yeah. I mean, celebrity is a megaphone. That's, yeah. that's pretty much all it is. It's a platform to say something and say it loudly. It's not, celebrity is not policy. Celebrity doesn't change. Celebrity doesn't, uh, it, it only hardens pre-existing condi conditions. It doesn't change them. Uh -huh. It makes you feel more strongly about the person. It doesn't make you, you're not gonna have your mind changed by Celebrity X or Celebrity Y saying something that you either agree or disagree with. You're going well, to feel- Well, what about Beyonce in front of feminists? You well, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, that, that, what that does is it gets the topic out there. Yeah. Uh, but just seeing it isn't enough. There has to be some kind of infrastructure mm -hmm. in their lives to support it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's, it's a video. I mean, I, I keep thinking back to, um, I think it was Taylor Swift who, like, early on in interviews, they'd be like, Taylor, are you a, a feminist? And she'd be like, well, I mean, I, like, she would give some sort of, like, mealy mouse answer that basically was saying, like, I'm not a feminist, but, you know, and then it was something, like, But you, I think you, women are powerful. Exactly. You know, the <laughs> answer where it's like, I'm not a feminist, but I think women are great. Um, and then she credited Lena Dunham, like, her friendship with Lena Dunham as the thing that sort of, like, like helped her understand that like she was a feminist and that feminism was okay. Now obviously she has used or maybe not used feminism in her own specific way. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think it's interesting that sort of like big example of a celebrity sort of helping to usher another celebrity over that threshold of being mm -hmm. like, it's okay to be a feminist. It's okay to like just say, yeah, I'm a feminist and that's fine. Right. Do you think that was a strategic moment in time? And Anne, I know you write a ton about this, so I would love your opinion. Like, do you think that was a strategic pivot because her albums were going from being about boys to being about embracing women, and she needed a brand moment to make that happen? So that was a strategic use of a social movement? I don't think it had to do with like the specific uh, content of the album so much as I think that our moment shifted from like, a post-feminist moment when celebrities really, unless they were activists, did not say they were feminists in public. Like, I think a lot of people forget that that was actually a thing that you just didn't say in public. Totally. Um, and shifted gradually over the course of the 2000s into something that, like, it, it became a fixture of interviews and it became the, absolutely the thing that you had to say, yes, I am even if your politics don't back it up, like even if your actual beliefs, like you say, I'm a feminist, yeah. and I take that to mean anyone can do anything they want. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. reinterpreting feminism and that word to fit with whatever their personal kind totally. of ideology is. Right. Um, Taylor Swift famously did not say anything about Trump despite how bad things got, whereas her squad was speaking up fairly critical of Trump. What role does shutting up play in this? On both the right and the left, you could you could make this case that if you have a platform, you must say uh, what's on your mind. It, again, it's a choice. I mean, Taylor, you can speak to this better than I can, but Taylor Swift not coming out and saying anything specific is a choice. Should she not be able to have that choice? So I have two thoughts on that. Good. Um, I Just to warn y'all, I have very intense feelings about Taylor Swift. <laughs> so if you're like a diehard Taylor Swift fan, I'm sorry. I'm about to get very real with you. So, you know, get right. Um, I think, I mean, I, I actually like Taylor Swift, but I think that she is like a little bit of a scam queen. Like I think that she, whatever the, like, when it became cool to be a feminist, oh, suddenly she was a feminist. When it became cool to like, when Trump got elected, like, 
all through the election, she didn't say anything. And then when all of these women, all of these amazing, incredible women were taking to the streets in cities like Austin, like DC, you know, she couldn't stay quiet. She had to chime in. So she was like, oh, like, love the Women's March. And I think that people really seized on that in a, in a genuine way because it was like, now you're tweeting about how you love and support the Women's March, but like, where were you all this time? And so, sort of, so I, I'm, I think you're right. I think that like, she should have the ability to like, not chime in if she doesn't want to, if that's really kind of like, it, it is her choice. Right. But I do think that like, people can tell when that's not genuine. People can tell when it seems like you're making that choice in a strategic way for your brand. And so right. I think that all of this like, intense negativity, like I've literally seen people tweeting like, Taylor Swift is personally responsible for Trump being president, <laughs> which might be a little much, even though I don't like her, that might be a little bit much, yep. um, but yeah. But, but choices celebrities make have repercussions, not necessarily just monetarily, but in terms of how people feel about them. And not making a choice also has repercussions. Totally. Right. I think now, especially, and you know, in our office, we argue like every week over who Taylor Swift voted for. And it really changes. Like, there's all sorts of arguments that are really interesting, like where she's from, this small suburb, like deep suburb of Philly, uh, went hard for Trump. And it was a lot of voters who are upper middle class white ladies who, like, don't tell anyone that they voted for Trump, but, you know, wanted to protect them and theirs. Right? And so that's kind of my argument. Other people are like, she she didn't want to vote because she didn't want anyone to photograph her at like the polls or whatever. Um, but I think that she is acting right now under the heavy consultation of brand management people who have said, listen, if you say anything, you're going to significantly damage your actual sales and actual tour numbers. And so she's acting out of a posture of fear. And I think now a lot of fans really don't like that sort of, that seems like an inauthentic move. Totally, yeah. Right? Totally. And so people embrace someone who seems to be acting and voicing their thoughts no matter who cares. Right? right. And that's, I think, part of like the culture around someone like Milo on the, on the right is like, here's a guy who says what he thinks, mm -hmm. right? Or even Trump. Yeah. So it works on both ends. Yeah. But right now, Taylor just seems very calculated. But the people who would slam celebrity culture, who would slam reality TV, who would slam, who would, who would lump everything we're talking about under the word Kardashian and dismiss it. Uh, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand the reference. They do not believe, they do not have any kind of faith in their fellow humans because they believe, sincerely, that there is only one way to react to a celebrity, and that is to admire abjectly. Mm -hmm. to, that, that's the reason people watch Kardashians, everyone who watches the Kardashians, does so because they admire them and want, and that's wish fulfillment. They do not understand that a nuanced, um, you, we have a nuanced relationship with celebrities now. Right. And the people who would say, well, I don't have celebrities, they, I don't like celebrities, they will also go on to tell you that they don't own a TV. Uh, oh you didn't God. ask, but they're gonna tell you. <laughs> uh, the, it, is, it is a kind of understanding of celebrity culture that has to go, that has to be chipped away at because it's, people are making choices or not making choices and they, it has to be seen 360 degrees. It can't be this tidy. It's, that's the thing that bothers me about it. It's so simple and tidy to just dismiss everything whole cloth. Is there anything worse than someone who's like, oh, I don't own a TV. All I do is read books. Yeah, oh, yeah, big yeah, deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we sit around at the salon of an evening reading Hedda Gabler. Yeah. Well, and it plays into that stereotype of this liberal elite that doesn't interact with mainstream popular culture because they're too good when really, 
I think the reality, and I'd, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this, is that celebrities allow us to have a unique understanding of race and class and gender in America at this moment. Who are the specific celebrities in your mind that are reflecting this unique moment in time back to us? Um, for me, a, a moment in time with a celebrity that really, I think, reflected our culture back at us in, a, in an interesting kind of way was Iggy Azalea. Remember her? Um, she used to be this like big, like, like she had her moment. And honestly, I feel like it was a lot of the movement for black lives, Black Lives Matter, all of that that really showed people, hey, this is someone who has really made her fame on sort of a certain kind of relationship with black culture and black identity. And when, you know, the shit hit the, I can, I can swear, right? Yeah. When the shit hit the fan, she had nothing to say. So when it was like when Mike Brown got killed, you know, when all of these high-profile police killings happened of black youth, someone who makes her bread and butter, the reason why she can pay her rent, you know, she has nothing to say. And so I think that that moment is really the reason why, like, she's no longer relevant. It's because the, the people, just like you were saying, that, like, people caught wind that she was someone who was only invested in um, black culture as far as it could take her for her career. When it came to actually caring about you know, black youth culture, she didn't really care. And that's why she's like not really famous right now, I don't think, because people understood that, that was reflected. And we, we said, oh, the moment in time is that we need to understand that, you know, black culture, black identity, black youth, that's really powerful. And you can't take from it and then not like yeah. care about it in any kind of meaningful way right. and expect us to still care about you. Right. People who are celebrities like Taylor Swift and Beyonce, Iggy Azalea, if you are a culture maker on that stage, you would think that at a cultural moment, you would want to be a part of it. And but, no. But Taylor Swift's world has always been the romantic, which isn't to like say like a lot of, I don't think that there should be a hierarchy of like, good art is not about the romantic or the domestic and bad art is, is about those things, sure. right? It's like a very gendered dichotomy and, and hierarchy. But at the same time, like she has never been someone whose songs or whose art yeah. has been about the world outside of her heart, really. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not even that like she's not reading the books. It's that I don't think that she is generating work out of culture at large so much as herself. Right. Yeah, but sometimes you have to wait for the cultural moment. When Ricky Martin was interviewed by Barbara Walters in the 90s, <laughs> Uh, that, that interview, you should all just YouTube it because the squirming that takes place, he just doesn't want to answer the question. The yeah. question is being asked very forthrightly, plain, not, not, there's nothing, there's no animus behind it. It's, it's simply a question. He cannot well, answer can you, the question. Can you say what the question the was? The question is, uh, are you gay? Uh, and he just absolutely refuses to answer. I would rather not speak. I love everybody. Whatever, the stuff that we have learned people say. Uh, he has gone, in the, in the intervening years, from tweeting out, I'm a proud gay man, to now being as close as we get to an activist. But we knew, right? In the 90s, we saw those leather pants and we thought something was up. <laughs> but uh, it's taken this long. So he waited for his moment. Now, coming out is a, is a personal process. Everybody takes their own time, yada, yada, yada. But uh, he wasn't ready because I don't think the time was ready. And I don't even think it is now. Like, that's something that we take for granted is the idea that, like, you know, if you come out as gay, if you come out as a feminist, like, that this won't necessarily really ruin your career. Like, the Dixie Chicks have not recovered. Right. I know. You know, like, there so are sad. still dozens of people who are closeted in Hollywood. Yeah. Because there is a real 
like it's just it's the ideal world that I think a lot of progressives imagine for what it means to be a celebrity is not the reality, especially in the world of Hollywood where you have to think about the global market and what your star, how your star has to be considered on in a global sense in order to succeed as a movie star. What's that risk for a celebrity to kind of come out, to use your words, um, to come out for their cause or for the for what they believe in? I mean, I, I keep thinking about Brie Larson not clapping for Casey Affleck on the stage of the Oscars two weeks ago. Um, and to me, that's a really interesting, like, she is someone who, right, is on the cusp of this giant career. Like, she's already, she's in Kong this weekend, she has all these movies lined up. Uh, but it's still an act of bravery to do this in front of all of your peers. But in a way that's not, you know, like, I think Hollywood doesn't, it's, it's easy to mess up when you make a speech, like, ask Tom Hiddleston or, like, I, I don't know, Jared Leto, like, Actions like that, like staying silent in a, it's like a demonstration of what you believe and your larger politics seems to be working for her. But I don't know, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I hadn't even thought about that, but that's so true, where it's like, if you get up on stage, I mean, it's so easy to like say the wrong thing or trip over your words. Like, I'll never forget, um, was it Patricia Arquette? Yeah. Who at the Oscars made this great speech about, you know, fair pay for women and I was yeah. like hell yeah like yeah, get it yeah, girl yeah. and then backstage yeah. she said something that I was like why did you like you were I was so there with you <laughs> but she was like oh like you know women fought for black people now it's time for y'all to fight for us and I was like no I was, so, I was with you <laughs> yeah, we were there yeah, yeah. we were here what happened <laughs> yeah so I think you're so right right where it's like when you are up there with a microphone and yeah. like of course we all say the wrong thing god knows yeah. I have but you know, it's so easy to, to fuck it up. And I think that those actions where no one, like you're not speaking, it's just like the little thing that you're doing. Like yeah, I think yeah. about um, Rihanna wearing the Hillary Clinton uh, oversized t-shirt during, like right before the election. So she never came out and said, yeah, vote for Clinton. I'm voting for Clinton, you should too. She was just strategically photographed wearing a giant, you know, <laughs> like a shirt with a giant picture of Hillary Clinton on it. So it's like, Things like that, where it's like no one can, you know, make you stumble over that. That's your. That's like a, an interesting way to show your solidarity and to sort of rep your cause. Yeah, yeah. Yep. In the run-up to the Oscars, whenever NPR touches pop culture like this, we hear from a certain segment of the, of the listenership who just doesn't want anything to do with the same people we're talking about before. There wasn't anything to do with this. This time, in the run-up to the Oscars, there was a particularly vocal contingent on Facebook, on the NPR Facebook page. Which again is a place where it's first thought, best thought. I see a headline. There's a keyword I type. That's that's <laughs> that's Facebook. But there was a particularly virulent contingent of people who were girding their loins, saying, "I'm not going to watch the Oscars. Who wants to see a bunch of actors telling me how to live my life?" There was anger. There had been, you know, people dismissing it before because it's a night of empty self-regard. Uh, that's fair. But there was this anger that we hadn't seen before, and there was also this feeling on the left that, "Oh boy, I can't wait. It's going to be good." And the evening disappointed both people. Uh, they didn't get they didn't get their red meat. They and nobody got their red meat. So it was kind of people making peons to uh, human decency, which is not a thing you can you can rally around. So you, you answer your question, what do, what do they risk? They risk those people on either side, not 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 doing the right thing to the extent that you feel that they should, and just 
saying saying anything is going to piss off a, a certain contingent of the population. Yeah, um, I was to again during the Super Bowl. I was totally the person that you just described who was like, here comes the big moment yep. um, when Lady Gaga performed. Right. Yeah. I was like so ready. I was like, what's she going to do? It's going to be big. Like, how is she going to give Trump the big F you? Yeah. And then like in the end, I mean, her performance was great, but like I was sort of disappointed. I was like, that was it? Like yep. she didn't unveil something or like <laughs> do something big. And yeah, it was like there are, I think that we are sort of conditioned to want that red meat, right? Like, when these kind of big moments happen, people on the people like me are like, oh great, like finally someone's gonna stick it to somebody and it's yeah. gonna be amazing and we're gonna tweet about it. And then other people are just like so ready to shut that down and be like, oh I'm so sick of the liberal elite like congratulating themselves and telling us how to live and Meryl Streep and yep. all of that. But I wanna go back to the conversation about what people have to lose because it seems like Beyonce dancing in front of the word feminist she really artfully weaved in uh, conversations of Black Lives Matter, her support of uh, families after Katrina into formation. There's all these really nuanced conversations happening in Lemonade. I wonder the privilege that comes with being at a Beyonce level to be able to take a stand at the, with those conversations that perhaps a younger artist or an artist who doesn't have the platform maybe wouldn't be able to have. I mean, you're risking kind of your career by by taking a stand on something. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, on kind of the power and privilege that comes with celebrity and who has that to be an activist. I mean, just speaking to your example of Beyonce, so I would actually push back on that a little bit. Um, I've been a, a Beyonce follower since girls' time, her like very early pre-Destiny's <laughs> Child group. Um, and I think that like, I think you're so right, right, that now that she's this like glamorous, amazing, uh, larger than life, um, you know, figure, she's able to sort of embrace these causes. But I also think a lot of those themes have been in her work for a very long time. We just haven't like seen it. And so I yeah. think when you go back to like early Destiny's Child, a lot of those songs are about, you know, parties and this and that, but a lot of them are about how, you know, men are awful, how about systems of oppression keep women down and keep women in bad relationships. Like, go back and look at the lyrics to Bills, Bills, Bills. That is a song about the fucking patriarchy, right? How, like, it's not about just some, like, you know, trifling dude. It's about yeah. how these systems interlock and they make us, as women, feel like we have no other choices but to stick with this trifling dude. It's about systems and powers and you know, uh, overall systems of oppression. And so I think that, I think that for Beyonce, a lot of those themes have been there the whole time, but now that she's Beyonce, she can really sort of, you know, make an entire kind of visual album about that, right? right. Like she can really be more um, forthcoming with them. Yeah. Well, and even someone who has like a ton of money and a ton of cultural cachet, like Madonna, <laughs> can't do that right now, right? Like right. there's been a ton of blowback yeah. against her for, whether it's speaking at the women's rally or speaking just frankly about what it's like to try to be a woman who's 50 in the music industry. And so it's not necessarily like, how long have you been in the game? It's like, do you care? Like how, how ready are you to be wounded? Right. Or to feel, like I always think of Elizabeth Taylor, you know, had spent decades just people just shitting on her just like she is everything that's wrong with our culture. She consumes men. She, you know, she eats too much. She gains all this weight, then she loses this weight, and and then she comes out in the 1980s and is like, you know what I'm going to be an advocate for? AIDS. 
you know, because I have had men in my life who are suffering right now. And she, you know, like, it wasn't that people suddenly were like, let's celebrate Elizabeth Taylor again because she is supporting AIDS. It's more she had, like, the, the armor in place that she could withstand criticism and actually get a lot of things done. Um, I think I would love to hear your opinions on Angelina Jolie. There's no question, just go. <laughs> Rapid fire. <laughs> yeah. She's the savviest celebrity in Hollywood. Why, why do you think um, that? I mean, actually she and Beyonce I think are tied right now, but uh, she, you know, she's her own publicist, but she actually really understands how her image works and um, what people like about her and how people want to think about her and her family. And I think that, you know, like every time she wants to talk, like she only speaks when she wants to and it's through an op-ed in the New York Times about an issue that she cares about. Like think about that as, as like what kind of power you have to have as a celebrity in order to do that. Yeah. But then I also think she's much, you know, she's not a movie star anymore. She's not. She lives in the imagination, like the American imagination, as like an embodiment of a certain type of maternity and sexuality, but she's not opening movies anymore. Right, right. Bridget, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm fascinated by her. I love her trajectory of like back in the, what is it, the, the late 90s, where she was sort of like tattooed bad girl and like yeah. was always like, oh, she wears like vials of Billy Bob Thornton's <laughs> blood around her neck. Like there was this like, really over the top kind of lore about her. And then as she's aged, she's really turned into this, you know, activist, humanitarian, this like mom, this like, you know, face for the face of, you know, women struggling with cancer and all of this. Like she's, I just, I'm fascinated by her. Um, Did you know that women could change? Yeah, exactly, like, right? Grow it's like, or like become more complex? No, women are, yeah, we, we don't do that. Yeah, so made, made in Mother Chrome, that's what you're talking about, right? That's totally. Do you know she's the first woman to ever change before our eyes like that? Um, yes, yeah, so I just find that really fascinating. I also find it interesting to compare it when you look at like um, her divorce from Brad Pitt, where it's like he somehow gets labeled as this like poor, like young guy, like caught up in her web. Yeah, web as if he's not a grown fucking man, like yeah. making his own choices. Like, um, I just, I, yeah, I'm fascinated by her. I think she's great. Um, any magazine with her on the cover, I will buy and like read in the car. Um, yeah, I love her. But how do we know who's a legit celebrity activist and who's just trying to stay relevant? I say follow the money. Yeah, that's, I think it's hard because like, you know, if we defined activism as not necessarily doing things, right? Not yeah. necessarily like organizing. Uh, what, you know, is it about raising awareness? So like, even if they don't give any money, what if they donate their social media feed to this thing mm -hmm. for this amount of time? But you're right, I think it's a hard line to parse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I think we never know, right? Yeah. I think that like, celebrities, just like, the way that I come off on Twitter is not at all who I am, right? Like, I think that we don't, like, it's easy to think that we know these celebrities and that we can get a sense of like, where they're, you know, allegiances and, and issues really lie, I think we never know. I think that we're always going to be getting some branded version of who they are, even if they are very authentic, right? So I think that we, as a you know, culture-consuming audience, will probably never know. Good point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the notion of authenticity is, is bullshit on its face. I mean, we, 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 we value this in singer-songwriters because we think it, it, that, that, that a singer-songwriter has any more talent than somebody like Taylor Swift. It, it's, it's different. It's just different. So we can't know. I, I think what I look for is if they screw up. If they screw up, 
They're probably reaching for something. They're, yeah. trying, they're trying to figure something out. If it comes off as really polished, if, it's, if there's a three-prong uh, implementation plan involved, no. <laughs> All right, I want to get your opinion on a few celebrities. We're gonna, you're going to say activist or opportunist, OK? <laughs> Ready? Uh, Shailene Woodley, activist. 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 Kim Kardashian. Both. Both, agreed. I'm, gonna, I'm going hard. I'm going to say activist. I, right. love, I, I ride for my girl Kim. <laughs> okay. I know that's a controversial opinion. No, I, am, I love her. I don't think it's controversial. Um, Beyonce. Activist. 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 Matt McGorry. Uh, <laughs> pass. Pass. Why? Really? All those books. He Instagrammed all those books. He's reading books. Yeah, he wants you to books. know he's reading books. He's reading books. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Too much? Did he overdo it? Too much. It's, I think we've hit like a Malcolm Gladwell style tipping point <laughs> where like you're, you get too woke and then you right. come out the other side and it's like, no, now you're not woke. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You've undone yeah. everything you tried to do. Um, all right. Angelina Jolie. Activist. Okay. Um, what about Josh Whedon? Josh Whedon? Yeah. Oh, I, I think activist. Definitely, yeah. Bridget? Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say activist with, a, with an asterisk. You know, I, I'm... I think he, I think there is a performative nature to his sure. brand of activism, but I think he is genuine. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Yeah. All right, Ellen Page, last one. Activist. activist. There's a performative quality there, but activist, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's an opportunist then? Any opportunist? Taylor Swift. Okay, <laughs> yes, thank you. Good one, yes. Any other opportunists off the top of your head? Ivanka Trump. Ivanka Trump, yes. I mean, and I think Trump himself is a huge scam king. Yep. Like yeah. he understood, like with Bannon, like figured out what would what message, what his own activism, like what would speak to a certain swath of America, and exploited that pretty masterfully. Thank you guys so much for coming out. I think our takeaway is please keep enjoying popular culture with some really fun feminist race class gender glasses on. So, Stay woke. Yeah. Stay woke. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Anne and Glenn both have books out, both of which, if you're a fan of this podcast, you will enjoy. And of course, Anne, Glenn, and Bridget all had strong opinions about popular culture. And now I want to hear yours. Tweet me at PopCultPirate or hit me up on Instagram at PopCulturePirate and on Facebook by the same handle. This episode was produced by me, Elisa Kreisinger, and edited by Jesse Ridner with the help of Lyric McHenry for Refinery29. See you back here on July 10th.